Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. And so let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to teach and I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives us. But not only that, I want to talk about church culture. I want to talk about our value system and and how sometimes we can function within the house of the Lord but still carry orphan, uh, orphan wounds and the manifestation of those orphan wounds and orphan thinking. How many know what I'm talking about? Like when we, you know, we call ourselves servants of God, children of God, but we're still kind of doing things like God is distant, God is far, and he's not a good father, which how many know he is a good father? And, and sometimes we pray to this, this version of God that religion has fabricated. And it's this version of God, this view of God, that he's like an angry judge. And he just can't wait to send you somewhere where you don't want to go. And, and how many know that we can come to our Papa, our Father? Jesus revealed to us the heart of the Father. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in the time of need. We, and, and, and God is revealed as a Father. And, and I want to talk about like the, the, the reason that we, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is kind of laying out this understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to look at uh, the purpose of the gifts and how sometimes our culture, which is our way of life, when I say culture, I mean a way of life. And, and when I say Christian culture, I mean the way that we do something as the people of God. And how many know that in different churches, there's different ways of doing things like in some churches which is fine like the I, I think the diversity uh, of tradition in the larger body of Christ is beautiful because some people maybe they don't they're not you know uh, really for a service where there's it sounds like rock and roll and all that stuff right maybe they just want an organ and sing that's fine if that's what you want that's not what I want um, but how many know in different church cultures you know, like maybe worship is not as long as it is. Like the, the time that we sing songs uh, or the sermon's a little different or there's like a Holy Communion every service. And how many know it's different? There's a different way of doing things. But I'm going to go a little bit beyond that. And I want to talk about how we see God, see ourselves, and then how that ends up we live our lives with one another as the family of God. How many know that you can be a part of a community but still not feel like your family? All right, I'm going to start preaching. So, I, you know, the longer you don't respond, the longer my sermon is. So now watch the amen levels, which is going to climb up because they want to go to lunch. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there is something. It's the same concept that you can have a home, a shelter, a place to live in, which, by the way, in Rochester in the winter, you definitely want to be in a home with heat. In Las Vegas, where I'm from, where I used to live, where I used to pastor, uh, you definitely want to be inside during the summer when it's 115 out and you better have air conditioning. And if you don't have air conditioning in your car, it's just no fun at all. Well, I can roll the windows down. If you like a hot air dryer blowing in your face, sure. How many know that, that you can have a, a place that is a, uh, a home, but it might not be a refuge you can even live with people that aren't your family. And the same thing with the church community, though. Like, we could be in community. We could go to church. But 
in order to be a part of a family, that's what God does. And, and I want to talk about that in relation to becoming the body of Christ and what that looks like for us uh, in relation to what Paul's talking about, 1 Corinthians 12. Are you all ready? All right, I guess that's my introduction. I don't know. So my preacher clock starts now. Amen. Okay. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. In other words, the pagan gods, they weren't really gods, they were idols that didn't speak. They were dumb. They didn't speak. Paul isn't saying those stupid idols. He's saying the idols that don't talk. And there's a reason that he's saying that. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to talk about the diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. Diversity of ministries, but the same Lord, and diversity of activities, but the same God who works in all. Now, those three verses are very profound, and actually, I have a whole teaching called Embrace the Fullness, where it's breaking down that we need to embrace all the gifts that the Godhead has for us. The Father has gifts in Romans 12. Jesus have, has gifts he gives the body in Ephesians 4. And the Holy Spirit has the nine gifts that we're looking at right here. Then he goes through the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to teach on what they mean and what they are. There's the word of wisdom, word of faith, uh, word of knowledge. Or, I'm sorry, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I'm sorry, my message is not going to be on tongues today if you were expecting that. All the charismatics are like, oh, man. But I am going to talk about how sometimes we receive these gifts. First of all, I want to say this, like, this is what's powerful about the, the charismatic move of the Holy Spirit. Now, even in uh, the church abroad, in churches that embrace the gifts of the Spirit. So when we say charismatic church, we just mean a church that believes that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Which, by the way, there are denominations that have completely altered their standpoint on the gifts of the Spirit. There are false teachings that say the gifts ceased when the Bible was fully canonized which makes no sense at all because there's no scripture that even to the slightest degree portrays that. And people that believe that are sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. They believe the authority of the scripture alone, yet there's no scripture that in any way whatsoever expresses that the gift somehow stopped centuries ago. In I think it was like, I don't know, seven years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention, some of you might know Baptist churches aren't usually known for operating in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick, that kind of stuff, right? Is anyone here Baptist? Raise your hand. Come on. So anyone here Bapticostal? And my mother-in-law right here in the front row. So the Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention made a powerful declaration. This is, this is phenomenal. They said that at the convention to all these Baptist pastors, they said, Tongues are for today, and they are biblical. Now, this is radical because, believe it or not, it was about 30 years from an anniversary of a revival that happened in the Jesus People Movement with Lonnie Frisbee, Chuck Smith. Some of you have seen the movie um, that was about that revival and uh, powerful. The Jesus People, Jesus Movement is just so powerful. But it was about 30 years 
from the Mother's Day weekend, and we're actually, next week is Mother's Day. Don't miss it. Mother's Day is going to be awesome. Bring your mama. Come on, somebody. Can I say that? Can I talk about your mama like that? (laughs) Bring your mom. Bring your grandma. Um, and, And we have a gift for the moms and grandmas, don't we? Do we have a gift for them, honey? Yeah? Besides a hug. And, and worship and a good message. Yeah, it's going to be great. So we'll hope to see you there. But it was on Mother's Day, and it was that, what I'm telling you, there, there are entire denominations that are now open to the moving of the Spirit. You, you want to know why? Because it is the fastest growing church in the world. Amen. Now, when I say charismatic church, it's like, oh my gosh, the weird people, the ones that speak in tongues. Yeah, them, but not them too. Because Unfortunately, in any movement, the fringy, weird, the small percentage, the fraction of maybe that movement, unfortunately, always becomes the face of the movement. And then what happens is we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And it's like, well, no, I, no, I don't believe in that because it's, all, it's sensationalism. And we, and we use these words. Like, what? Or, or we coin the term, I've heard the body, certain members of the body of Christ, charismania. It's like you're going to call every church that operates in the gift charismania. That's silly. And then that same church is literally committing biblical idolatry and thinking that if you, if you don't like literally worship the Bible, you're not saved. The Bible is not the fourth member of the Godhead. The Bible is the word of God, the Holy Scripture. We should value it. Actually, I think we should value it way more than ever now because we need truth. We need sound doctrine. We need teaching. But we should never not be, we should be open to the moving of the Spirit uh, despite what some of the charismatic fringe movement has portrayed as called a moving of the Spirit. Amen. I'm preaching way better than you're responding, but that's okay because I'm in a good mood. So, you know, I, I could switch the sermon up right now and just preach sinners in the hands of an angry God, but I love you too much to do that. I just want to encourage us, as, as we are reading this here, Paul is instructing, he's saying, listen, You need to learn about the moving of the Spirit. He's telling the church. And I would say that today, I don't care if we've been in a charismatic church, we still need to learn about how the Holy Spirit operates in our midst and and why we have these beautiful gifts. First of all, let me just break this down. If you want to discern a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it's really simple. Paul says it right here. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not draw attention to himself, but always exalts Jesus as Lord. If there's something that happens in in an atmosphere where there's a, a charismatic move or something and we're drawing attention to ourselves, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus as Lord, number one. That's one of the number one ways you can tell if a manifestation is from the Holy Spirit. The other way is it's not going to contradict Scripture. Hello? If somebody gives some prophecy and it's unbiblical, it's not from heaven. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, here's how you do it. You prophesy and other people judge it. What do you mean judge? Well, only God's my judge. No, the word judgment is discern. He says the elders can discern if a word is from God or not. How do they discern? They look at the Scripture. Amen? That's the second way you can discern a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, uh, does it bear lasting fruit? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. Sometimes we feel like the Lord is doing something or moving or speaking. And then months later, what we thought he said and what we believed was God uh, is not bearing fruit. Well, 
maybe we, maybe we missed it. And it's okay. How many know that we're, we're learning to obey? We're learning to listen, right? Amen? And there's something so beautiful about learning these three tools to discern so we don't have to be afraid. Man, I am not afraid to invite the Spirit of the living God and make space for Him, for the wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe upon us as a church community because we need Him more than ever. The church has settled for good teaching over the presence of God. The church has settled for good-sounding worship over worship that carries the wind of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's a fire of the Holy Spirit that is stirring among His people, a hungry people, an army of the living God that He's assembling in this region, in this church. That's why you're here. You're here because you're hungry. And I'm telling you, you've come to the right place, man. God has stirring your heart, and you're here, and we make space for the moving of the Spirit of God because we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need all the gifts of the Spirit. We don't want to just, you know, receive one. We need all the gifts of the Spirit. We need all the gifts of the Godhead. We need leadership. We need administration. We need, lead, we need like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We want all the things that God has gifted us so that we can do what we're created to do. Yeah. Why does he give gifts? Well, Paul lays it out. And he says it's like a body with different parts. He says same thing with the church. The church through Scripture, primarily three times in the New Testament, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses, when he talks about the gifts, he talks about this mystery about we being the body of Christ. It's amazing. How are we the body of Christ? Well, we're individual members. And how many know, when we pray for things like unity, how many know that that's not the same thing as sameness? Sameness is not unity. Uh, uniformity is not unity. How many know that unity is a diverse people coming together with a kindred heart to serve and honor the Lord and do what they feel God is calling them to do? That's, we're the body of Christ. And so Paul, and I want to read this to you. Like, can I just read you a couple verses here? And I want to, this is so powerful. I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. We just opened up um, in 1 Corinthians 12 in the New King James. Now listen, this is so good. He says, what I want to talk to you about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. How many of the Holy Spirit works in different ways in our lives? Matter of fact, it's not just the gifts. The Holy Spirit helps us understand that we're children of God. The Holy Spirit's primary work in your life, by the way, is for you to cry out, Abba, Father. See, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, and Jesus reveals the heart of his Father. The Spirit that proceeds from the Father, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, proceeds from the Father through the work of the Son, Jesus, impacts our lives. And the way that the Spirit moves upon us is not just the gifts of the Spirit, although that's what we're talking about now, but it is to lead us to a greater understanding of who Jesus is, and Jesus reveals the heart of his Father. See, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit bears witness, testifies. Amen. How many have ever been to a service where there's testimonies? Yeah. I remember we went to this church. But listen, man, growing up, like, uh, I was 17, radically saved. I was raised Catholic. I, I didn't really encounter the Lord. I had a few experiences where God was just, 
you know, revealing his love to me. And then I was born again. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And me and one of my friends, we were so hungry to just go to church and worship and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We literally went to church almost every night of the week. How is that possible? We went, all right, you have a church on Monday? All right, we'll be there. What time is it? You got a church, different areas of town. And we didn't have a car. We would rollerblade. And this is how hungry we were, right? This is how we were just like on fire for God, man. We would literally hang on the back of buses with our rollerblades and or hitchhike and jump in the back of a pickup. I don't recommend that. I'm a crazy young adult. And we would go. I remember we went to this church in Las Vegas, in North Las Vegas area. And we was the only white people there. Come on, somebody. And man, I'm telling you right now, that church was Holy Ghost filled. First of all, the name of the church was Temple Pentecostal. You know, when you walk in a church called Temple Pentecostal, you're going to get some Pentecostal up in there. And they had testimony time. Oh, my goodness. And I remember this little lady get up there and she's like, mm-hmm. of course, just way better. And she's like, my tree She was talking about how her tree like broke and she anointed it with oil and she taped it up and the tree like came back to life. And I'm like, man, and the whole church like lit up and there's like, people are running around the room because God healed this tree. Like it was a testimony. And it was like, you could feel faith in the room for anything. If God can heal a tree, he can heal me. Like, it was like, man, I remember in our, in our church that we planted in Las Vegas, we had this dude that would come to church. His name was Jack. He was this old dude. And we called him Pentecostal Jack. Because in the middle of worship, if worship was popping, man, he'd just do this. <laughs> just run in place. Old Pentecostal Jack. There he goes. There he goes. Running around the room. <laughs> I got to be careful not to lose my breath. I'm getting old. Praise God. I remember, though, Catching the wind of the testimony, the declaration of what God has done, in the same way the Holy Spirit, catch this, testifies and tells your heart, your most inner being, shouts in fact, sometimes it's a whisper, sometimes it's a shout. It's a shout when it needs to be, right? There's a tone, there's a, a, a power of truth that the Spirit of God tells you, you are God's beloved child. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I just got through one little portion of this verse. That's how the Spirit works in our lives. Why am I saying this? Why is it important? Because sometimes we get so caught up in just the gifts of the Spirit we begin to get so caught up that it's, it's our value system. It's, our, it's how we identify. It's like, I don't feel significant unless I'm prophesying. I don't feel like loved by God unless I'm singing or preaching or what have you. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. What you value, what your heart is set on, will determine your value system. And sometimes our value system is an identification in the gift rather than an identification in the giver, in his love, and the simplicity of everything that we do in church, whether it's a charismatic church or whatever we do, serve, honor, love one another, reach the lost. It should be from a place of knowing that we're loved by the Father and that we're children of God. And we don't need to, you know, we don't need to be on a platform. We don't need to, we don't need a spotlight. Like I, there, there's something that's so powerful about our hearts 
through humble love and we say, Lord, I just want to be used by you in the simplest way. Even if I'm in the back of the room and I get to say hello to one person and tell them how significant and loved they are, I'm happy because I just want to be in sync with your heart because I'm a child of God. And through that simplicity and that foundation, our value system is corrected. We don't have this value system where we're, in fact, like impoverished. It's like, have you ever been in a place where you just don't have money to pay the bills? Right? It's the worst feeling. I mean, some people might be that way now. Like, you know, I remember a time in my life where it was like, oh, man, we don't have enough to pay the bills. How's this going to work? When, you don't ha- when you're impoverished, when you have lack... You're always trying to fill the void and you, and you will also make decisions and you got to do what you got to do, right? You'll make decisions to maybe be frugal because you have to, right? And sometimes like, and I want to say this carefully, I, I think sometimes if we're overly frugal, it can be a manifestation of a poverty spirit. Like God wants you to buy healthy food. You don't have to settle for junk food. Come on, somebody. Hello? But when you're in lack, sometimes that's what you end up eating is food that's not good for you. You hear what I'm saying? The same thing in Christian culture. When we're in lack, because we're not rooted, our significance, what makes us feel valuable is not rooted in being a son or a daughter, in the love of God, just being loved, just being loved, not doing, being When we're not rooted in that, we're impoverished, we're in lack, and we're trying to fill the hole. And we end up consuming things that are not good for us. Our value system needs to be shifted. And it happens in the presence of God. I'm going to jump down and just read a couple verses, and I'll I'll close in just a moment. I hope you all are enjoying this. I, I really feel in my spirit it's important as we move forward as a church, you know, first service, we, we, it was a prayer meeting. It was a worship time. It was, it was amazing. The altar was full and we were doing the best that we could just to yield to the moving of the spirit. How many could sense during worship though, just the tangible manifest presence of God. And, and we're a church that loves that, but we also love the, the teaching of the word. Like we need both. We need, and by the way, it's not like you can be off balance with the spirit and the word. The more words you have, the more spirit you're going to want. The more spirit you drink, the more you'll understand the word. The word and the spirit agree. There's this false dichotomy that we present in the church, and we just got to get rid of it. It's like when we are open to the Holy Spirit, we love the scripture and the truth, and we reason together, and and we're hungry to be taught sound teaching. Come on. And when we study the scripture, it should cause us to want to come and drink of the Holy Spirit. But Paul goes on from the message translation and he says how the spirit works in our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, but just doing it because everyone else did it. You know, sometimes we do that in the charismatic church. I only got one yeah, not even an amen. It was a yeah. Don't do something because it's learned behavior. I love a, just a genuine move of God. I've, I'm like, God, I, we just, we want a genuine move. We want a genuine, I want real fellowship. I don't want this, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. Come on, somebody. Like, you know, we learn the fake stuff in church. Hello? 
I want the real deal. I want the real deal. I'm not saying that's a, that's a wrong answer. It, we, we should say I'm blessed and highly favored. But I used to say that growing up in the, in the Lord. I'm like, uh, how are you doing, blessed and highly favored? And it's like it became this religious, robotic answer in Christian lingo. Hello? How about, like, I come to church and I should be the most transparent because we're family, because we're becoming family, and you ask me I'm doing it and I'm not doing good. I'm like, actually, I could use some prayer. Hello? There's freedom in transparency. Keep it real. Keep it real. So Paul, he goes on and he says, don't just doing something because everyone else is doing it. He said, it's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus, be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say Jesus is master or Jesus is Lord without the insight of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you all right, buddy? It's all right. Come sit down. You're okay. Come sit down. <laughs> it's okay. You can, you, can, you can have him sit down. Yeah, it's okay. Come sit down, buddy. You're all right. Bless you. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's Pentecostal Jack right there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so this is where Paul goes though with this. This is so powerful. And I just, I want to close with this. And I want, I want the understanding of what we're reading just to seal. What I'm telling you this morning is that you need to know your significance apart from what you do. Listen, man, I've been... I've been pastoring a long time. And even though I've read this over and over again, I actually wrote a whole chapter in Scandalous Love about what I'm sharing with you. Chapter 8 of Scandalous Love. I still have the, t I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my heart and make sure that I don't feel unimportant when I'm not doing something. Not just that, but Knowing your significance will make you come alive in what you're actually created to do in this body. You are significant. You understand, like, even being a prayer warrior, even worshiping in the same room, your voice lifted high, do you know how significant that is? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. Not the praise of a person. Come on, man. There's something so beautiful about just getting caught up in worship in a way where we're like, no other place I'd rather be. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I, I preached on it last week, the presence of God. So Paul, he begins to say, you can see how this all works by looking at our own body, many parts, but it's the same thing with the spirit. He says, by means of one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But when we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained. One fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels once we once used to identify ourselves like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Now check this out. He says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. 
A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Arranged and functioning together. The toe's not trying to be the eyeball. Wouldn't that be horrible? Imagine like you walk up, there's a toe coming out of somebody's eyeball. Functioning the way we were meant to. And, you know, I learned this. I, I would tell you the story. I don't have time. I, I, when I broke my toe years ago as a kid, because I was silly doing dumb things, broke my toe. I didn't know you couldn't walk. It's a little tiny part of the body, just my toe. Actually, my big toe is kind of large, but it's pretty. I have pretty feet. God bless me. I, you know, don't, don't envy me. I just, I got pretty feet. I don't know what it is. I have a doctor friend. He was looking at my plantar fasciitis I had years ago. And, He's, we're out to dinner. He's like, let me take a look at your foot. I'm like, we're out to dinner and we're in this little courtyard. And he's like, you know, and he's checking my heel. And uh, he was on our board at the Las Vegas church. And, and he's like, man, you got some pretty feet, man. I see some feet. This dude's from like East LA. Like he's from South Central or something in LA and Hispanic dude. He's like, you got some pretty feet, man. I'm like, take it easy, bro. My wife's right here, you know. <laughs> but how many know like a big toe? It's like, it's, ah, it's a toe. Ugh. Like it could smell, you know, ugh, toes. It's not very important. You can't walk without a toe. You might feel like a big toe. Can I just encourage you? You are totally significant. That's, that's in my book, actually. <laughs> oh, praise God. When you know the heart of the Father for you, you come alive in your gifting. And he wants you, we, I want you to come alive in your gifting. Not by me flattering you to make you feel self-important, but by telling you who you really are. Because as a family, we all take our place. In an army, we take our place. And I, I'm telling you, baby, we are moving forward right now. And now is the time to rise up and know our significance together. Embrace what God's doing. Embrace his presence. Embrace his gifts and let him correct the value systems that need to be corrected. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad you're a part of this family. I look around, and, and sometimes I just, I, I almost want to like call people out by name and just say, I'm so glad you're here. But I just speak it to every single one of you. You're significant, and you're loved. Paul goes on and says, this is so powerful. I, I want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. No matter how significant you are, it's only because what you are a part of. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And our significance doesn't blow up into self-importance where it's all about us. That's, that's a solo. But we are created to be a symphony. It's actually the Greek word for agree, where two or more shall agree. Symphone. How many want to be a part of a symphony? Guess who the maestro is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays the strings of our hearts, tunes the strings of our hearts. He teaches us to love. This is why Paul then, after this, says the gift is love. Here's all the gifts of the Spirit, but the gift is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, Galatians 5, verse 23 and on. It's about love and knowing God's love and loving one another. Why do we have these gifts? So we can build each other up and see each other released in our own destiny and call together. Amen.
Would you just pray with me? Maybe close your eyes. And... Father, I thank you for your people. I pray that if anyone in this room, which to a degree every single one of us have dealt with this, and maybe even now, but I pray specifically for those that feel invisible, feel like a big toe. We need you. The body can't be mobilized without you. Come alive in who you are. We receive you. We embrace you. We're family. You belong here before you walked in the door. I just pray blessing upon every heart and every life. I thank you for Encounter Church. I thank you for Rochester. Help us, Lord, not only know our own significance, but help bring it to other people. Lord, we want to bring your love, Papa to all the orphan wounds, all the hearts of people that we come in contact with. It is our purpose. Correct our value system. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.